You'd have thought being uh, someone used to PA, I'd know how to switch the mic on. <laughs> so, good morning. Um, I can see a lot of unfamiliar faces out there, or some anyway. So, uh, let me introduce myself. My name is Pete, um, and I'm privileged to be uh, part of the leadership team of BFC, along with uh, Neil and Ben and Peter and a whole crowd of others uh, as well, uh, John and Dave and Paul. Uh, and... Um, yeah, I don't work for the church, but I work in the, uh, dare I say it, the real world. <laughs> Ben's not here, I can get away with that. Um, um, and from time to time, in fact I've managed to escape this for a while, I get asked to preach as do some of the other guys, and um, I guess we must be short of people over the summer, so I'm afraid you've got me. <laughs> um, so over the summer we're going to be starting a new series uh, just for the summer months, and we're going to be looking at the Lord's Prayer. Um, looking at it afresh, but rather than what we might normally do in that we might spend six weeks or one one week just looking at the whole thing, we're going to break it down, and we're going to break it down and look section by section at it. Um, You get a bit of introduction from me in the the first couple of lines today. Um, Next week, Ben gets the fun of preaching on just three words, which uh, (laughs) will be fun for him, I'm sure. Um, so what we want to do is, is delve into it a bit deeper. We want to hear what God would say to us through it. We want to catch a glimpse of him, catch a glimpse into his heart, and then understand from that what our response uh, needs to be. So um, let's make a start. Let's uh, read, first of all, let's look at uh, Matthew chapter 6. If you've got your Bibles, it's going to come up on the screen in just a moment anyway. Um, and we're going to read uh, verses 5 to 13, uh, and then we'll look in, uh, at some of it in more detail. But I thought it would be good just to start with an overview of the whole of the Lord's Prayer. And we'll go into a little bit of background in a minute. So this is Jesus speaking, um, speaking to his disciples uh, and many others as well. And he says this, he says, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Just one quick note, you'll note that the original doesn't include what we normally add on to the end of there, which is... uh, um, uh, for yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. But that was probably added uh, in the early years of the church, but it's in such keeping with the words that Jesus said. It's an exhortation that points us back to Jesus again and back to the cross uh, as we pray for it. It reminds us to keep a heavenly perspective. Um, so let me just give a bit of background. Um, when were these words written? When, who was Jesus speaking to? This passage is part of uh, the Sermon on the Mount. It's recorded in Matthew's Gospel over about about three chapters or so. And it's Jesus teaching with a large crowd gathered, but he sat in a group with his disciples. 
He's not sacked. Uh, he's not in a big stadium. He's not like Sebco on, uh, on Friday night speaking to 80,000 people. He sat with his group of 12 disciples around him. Many more gathered around, crowding around, wanting to hear, wanting to listen. But he's speaking to them. He's directing it towards them. Uh, and the Sermon on the Mount touches virtually every topic there is. There's so much depth in there, so much value in there. It touches giving to the needy and fasting, judging others. It touches uh, divorce. It touches murder. It touches bearing fruit. And then in the middle of it is this uh, short piece around prayer. Um, And and the introduction he gives, the religious leaders of the time, they tended to pray long-winded prayers. Out loud, on the street corners. Neil's saying nothing's changed, but... uh, (laughs) I'll leave that for you to judge. Um, And Jesus starts off by saying, actually, don't be like them. Don't be religious showmen or women in our prayer. We don't need to keep on going on and on and on, battering on the door of heaven. Rather, Jesus says, do not be like them. He says, actually, your Father in heaven knows what you need. He knows what's on your heart even before you pray it. But he's just longing for us to come with him. It's not about praying visibly. It's not about using long, complicated words. It's about a simple directness. Simply coming to him, simply expressing our love for him, a a recognition of who he is, and then what is on our heart and and responding to that. It's uh, recognizing his holiness, his majesty, but in a simple, down-to-earth fashion. One, let me caveat, though. I'm not saying, though, that we shouldn't be praying out loud in church or in home groups or in other settings. Actually, that is really good for us to do. But actually, let's, let there not be lots of pressure to pray long-winded prayers or long prayers. Actually, God loves simple prayers. He loves to hear what is on our hearts. Um, we need to be praying out as, a, as part of a desire to glorify God and to see his kingdom come, though, rather than out of, um, I feel I ought to pray it out. We, it needs to be out of desire to see God glorified rather than rather than us glorified. So, But the whole section uh, throughout the Sermon on the Mount, the teaching applies to specific areas, but actually as we look into that teaching, as we look into what Jesus says, there's a lot more there as well. There's a lot of truth just in those simple words. Um, okay, so that's a bit of the background. In terms of the Lord's Prayer, well, it's a bit of a funny name because it's not really the Lord's Prayer. He taught it to us. But he never prayed it. He didn't need to. He didn't need to pray for forgiveness because he never sinned. (laughs) He didn't need uh, those types of stuff. But he gave it as a model for his disciples. And he told his disciples to do it. He gave it both as a prayer in its own right, but also as a model for how to pray. Uh, But as I said a minute ago, it's also got implications in the teaching about it that reflect our, that, that should touch our daily lives. And it, it's split into um, six, main, six main areas. First of all, well, seven really. There's, first of all, we enter into God's presence, our Father in heaven. And then there's six requests or partitions. First of all, three directed to God and about his character. Uh, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. And then... After that, there are three requests and partitions more centered around our, our, our needs uh, and our response to that. Give us our daily bread. Forgive us as we forgive others and lead us not into temptation. That order 
is significant. We're not just to come to God with a shopping list of requests. He longs for us actually to come into his presence, to recognize who he is. And then, once after we recognize him, to then think about things. When we look at who he is and focus on him first, that changes our perspective. I focus on God. Actually, my worries and my problems seem quite small. And actually, he seems very able to deal with them and to cope with them. Very easy for me to come with a list of, oh, woe is me, please God, help me do this, help me do that, help me do that, please provide me a pay rise, please give me a better job. And actually, I've not recognized at all who God is. But actually, I can come to God, and if I come and focus, and if we come and focus and say, God, you be glorified, you be exalted, praise be your name, your kingdom, your will be done, and say, Father, I need your help in these areas. Help me to live under your grace with them, help me to do them. Yes, Lord, I would, I'd love a a pay rise, let's, who wouldn't? <laughs> but it changes our perspective on, on, on those areas. It changes the way we think. It changes our outlook. It changes the way we pray. Um, it's fair to say that, um, excuse me, most people would know the Lord's Prayer, probably most in this land. It's prayed in church services up and down the land. It's prayed um, in school assemblies. You hear it at weddings, at funerals, at christenings all over the time, but actually, how many times do we actually think of and stop about what we're praying and what we're saying when we say it? I know I'm guilty of just sometimes just reciting it by rote as I'm putting things in my bag maybe or doing other things, and you just sort of go into autopilot, and we don't really think. But when we stop and we take a moment to look at the words, to think about them, to think about their impact, they, ch- they are, are powerful. I've found it fascinating, enthralling, challenging, as I've been looking at this. It's given me fresh inspiration, fresh challenges, and a fresh desire to use it as a model, but also a fresh desire to, um, to, to take on board its impact and, and its teaching in my life. And I've only really looked at the first line. <laughs> so, um, so as we look at these first couple of lines, let's look beyond what they say about prayer as well. And let's look at, see what they teach us about the character of God. Uh, see what broader lessons uh, we can learn from them. So I've kind of titled this morning, um, why have I titled it? (laughs) Uh, A Radical Family with a Heavenly Perspective. And as I looked at this, as I studied it, as I looked at the words, that almost seemed to be what I could find in it. Yes, it's a model for prayer, but actually there was an awful lot of teaching about who we are in God, what he's done, and about our perspective. So, the, uh, the piece I was given this morning, six words was, was my piece to preach on. Um, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So, uh, that shouldn't take too long, should it, hopefully? We'll see. Shouldn't be too long. Um, so, let's, uh, let's take that piece by piece. Let's look, uh, let's look at that. So, first of all, uh, let's start at the beginning. Our. Look at that word. Not my father, not somebody else's father, but our father. We're in this journey together. We're not trying to do it on our own, but rather as a group of disciples. Jesus was talking and teaching it, this prayer, to his disciples. And just like they did, we share the highs and lows. We share the joy. We share the laughter. We share the tears and the pain. We share the sorrows. We help those who need to be helped. 
and not too proud to be helped ourselves. I know I find it very easy to help others, but I don't like being helped. <laughs> I'm a proud man, and uh, I don't like being helped. Um, but it's about being together. Our doesn't, also doesn't leave us room to exclude anybody else. It doesn't leave us room to exclude someone on, based on our own prejudices, on feelings, based on our own perception of uh, social standing, on age, or race, or sex. It's our Father. None is excluded from that. All are included. Um, we'll look at these in turn, and then we'll come back and we'll look, just look at some application of, of, of these. Um, so next one, moving on through. Father. John was talking a lot about this the other week, and uh, he's got some more to share on that in the future. Um, but as he was talking about God is our Father, he's declared us, his sons and daughters were adopted into his family. Uh, and adoption isn't something we enter into lightly. It's a conscious choice. It's a commitment. Our sonship and daughtership is not an accident or mistake, but it's a deliberate choice that God has, mis- that God has made. He's chosen each one. It's not something you do just when the child is being good. Actually, adoption is for life. It's irreversible. It means we are sons and daughters. I can't stop Matthew and Hannah being my son and my daughter. God can't do the same to us. It's his choice as he's adopted us is to forge that and put that in place. And it's, it's, it means that, that we're all heirs to his promises. We've got a destiny. We've got a future. And as well, John was saying it's not about God being daddy. It's not about... He, that all being, being all mushy and being daddy and, and lots of cuddles. But it's about him of being a father who we can approach with respect, confidence, and yes, intimacy as well. But it's all of that wrapped in. It's not just a, almost a carefree daddy. It, there, there's a deep respect, there's a deep humility there, there's a deep trust there, and a deep intimacy there. We can be confident of his love, his mercy, his grace, his care for us, and his deep desire uh, to, that he has for us to, to see us fulfilled and to see us fulfill all he's got in store for us. Okay. In heaven. Two words this time. <laughs> We're speeding up. Actually, before we go there, some of the translations um, talk about our Father who is in heaven. And that's, just very briefly, actually that word is, is so powerful. God isn't a God who isn't, or who was. He's a God who is. Who always has been, who is now, and will be to come. Anyway. A little sideways step. So in heaven. So we're not dealing here with, uh, with earthly powers which will fade away. God's not an earthly king. He can't be overthrown by a coup. He can't die. He's not limited in power and might. Uh, no, he's a heavenly king. There is no higher power. There is no higher authority. There is no greater source of power, wisdom, strength, grace, mercy, protection, authority. He created the heavens and earth. He created all within them, and he will rule for all eternity. He has all power. We serve a powerful God. And uh, what an opening line. Our Father in heaven, our. It speaks of family. Father, it speaks of family, but it speaks about an amazing God, full of grace and love. In heaven, 
source of all power, source of all authority. Actually, when we pray, when we think about these words, we need to keep our focus on God. We need to remember that, who we're praying to and what he's capable of. When we look at things from a a heavenly perspective, we choose to look beyond ourselves. We choose to look beyond our immediate concerns, our immediate problems, our immediate desires, and we choose to say, actually, God, show me from a heavenly perspective. Show me what you see from where you are. Show me how you would have me live my life. We get a glimpse of his heart. So, next one. Hallowed be your name. Moving through quite nicely. How are we doing for time? We're fine. Um, Hallowed is to do with holiness. We're not praying here for his name to be holy. Actually, God's name already is holy. We're praying, and, and it's talking about... When we talk about something being hallowed, we're talking about it being treated as holy, being declared as holy, given honor and the reverence it deserves. And and the Good News um, translation, I looked at this in there, and they put it very succinctly. They put it as, may your holy name be honored. And that captures some of the essence of what's there. It's not about saying, Lord, your name is holy. It's just saying, actually, Lord, may your name be glorified. May you be glorified in all things. May you be given top place in our lives, in our hearts, in the world. It says, it says, may your name, your character, be the number one thing we long for. An attitude of worship, reverence, humility, seeking to become more Christ-like every day. And when we pray prayers and when we get our heads around that, that starts to change our perspective as well. That starts to, for us to see things from a heavenly perspective, for us to see what God would have in store, to see how, um, it, it, yeah, it, it takes it away, it takes our focus away from us, and it puts my focus on him. It puts my focus on saying, actually, how can what I do today be to glorify God? How can the simple things be to glorify God? Okay, so, our Father in heaven, Hallowed be your name. So the question then is, is, is how do we live in the light of these few simple words? Six simple words. We've looked at some of them. So how do we live in the light of them? Let's, let's go through this again. We've talked about some of it, but let's look at how we can apply that, what it might look like. So first of all, we'll look at our again. So we're not on this journey alone, and we've talked about that already. Uh, we're traveling with a great company of fellow heirs. We're one large family of disciples on, on this journey together. So... What does that actually look like? What does it look like to be family? What does it look like uh, to be that? And I think it's fairly radical. Um, It might sound simple, but it's fairly radical. It's things like making time for one another. It's things like getting to know one another. It's things like having open homes, people having people over for meals, sharing their pains, their sorrows, laughing with them, crying with them, eating together, supporting and encouraging one another. Um, Let's not be too busy doing church to be church. I know sometimes I can get, and you've probably seen me do it, very focused on, uh, on, on doing and doing this and serving in that area. Dave's laughing at me at the back. and <laughs> Kindred spirit there, I think. And um, we can be so busy doing sometimes that we forget to actually be. We forget sometimes to be family. To just spend time saying to somebody, let's go out for a pint down the pub. Let's just catch up. Let's not go 
go to the pub and talk about the things we need to organise for the carol service or for the Easter service or for anything else in between. But let's just go and catch up. Let's spend time. Tell me how you're doing. How's work? How's home? How How are your kids doing at school? Where are you hurting? Where are you joyful? Let's, let's share those. Let's support and love one another. Let's keep our homes open. Let's not be afraid just to knock on someone's door and say, Hi, how are you doing? And if it's a bad time, let's not be afraid to say, uh, Let's meet up tomorrow. <laughs> but let's not be afraid just to knock on the door, actually. I love it when people knock on our door, but I hate the thought of going and knocking on other people's door <laughs> without an excuse. Um, but it's so important, actually, if a member of my family knocks on the door, I just invite them in. doesn't matter what we're doing. doesn't matter what state the house is in. My brother's been known to turn up at 8 in the morning, at 6 at night, almost without notice. Oh, come in. Oh, do you want some food? We're just getting started. And actually, that needs to be the same. If we're family as well, that needs to be the same in, in, in the church. Um, it's about support and love. It's about simple things like making meals for people. Actually, that has a surprising effect on those around us. We were talking a bit about actually how we glorify God and we'll come on to that and we'll touch that again. But simple things that speak to others as well of his glory as they see a radical family being modelled in his church. So, Father. Okay, so we need to remember that we're adopted, we're heirs. Um, we're called to live as God's children. We need to, to keep that in our minds and we need to live in the power that I know I like to do things in my own strength. I know uh, a lot of us do, but actually we need to remember what the calling he's put on our hearts. We need to remember the promises that he speaks over us. Uh, he's not a dad we go to and ask for lots of treats and sweets, but neither is he a bully or someone who hurts or ignores us. We've all got different experiences of fathers in our lives. Some good, some bad, some indifferent. Um, and I know myself as a father, sometimes I can be really good. Sometimes I can be not so much fun. But actually, God is the perfect father who bids us approach him. He has his arms open wide for us. He wants the best for us. He wants to see us thrive. He wants to give us intimacy when we need it. He wants to give us freedom and let us run when we need it. He longs just for that close, close bond. He'll discipline us when we need it. We need it sometimes. Neil was talking about that a little, little bit the other week and about pruning and about actually how, and, and reshaping our lives, how he does that sometimes. So how, how do we respond to, to that need for a father? How do we respond to his fathership? Well, let's keep in touch with him. Talk with him. Tell him how you're doing. Uh, tell him what you're feeling. Tell him your worries, your concerns. Share your joys, your heartbreak, your sorrow. Let's listen to him too. Actually, he loves us to talk to him, but he loves us to listen to him. He's the wisest counsellor there is. He's seen it all before. He's heard it all before. He's experienced it all before. And he speaks words of love, of comfort, of direction, of encouragement, of mercy. He wants to put us on the right track. And actually, everything he wants to do is for our good. Let's not be surprised, though, when he changes direction on us. When he, not he doesn't change direction, when he changes our direction. Uh, Neil was talking a few weeks ago about um, how if we've got a vine, we prune it. 
because actually that encourages more growth. And we might bend certain branches in, in to help them grow a certain direction and, and to encourage them to bring more growth, more growth. Actually, it's healthy for things to be pruned, even for plants that are already healthy. Uh, and sometimes God will need to do that with us. And he does need to do that. He needs to shape us and change us into the person he wants us to be. Sometimes he'll want to take that vine. He'll want to take us. He'll want to transplant us somewhere else. We were talking a few weeks ago about church planting. Actually, that's what happened to some of us, and that's what will happen to some, to some, some here in the future. We'll be moved. God will transplant us out of here into another situation. Yeah, it's unsettling. Yeah, it's a bit frightening and a bit scary, and yeah, it really um, gives us a bit of wobble for a bit. But it's in a good way. And actually, he wants to do it for us to thrive. He wants to do it for the good of the vine, but actually he wants to do it for the good of wherever he, of wherever he places us as well. So if I move a plant in the garden, not that, not that I do very often, it can be because it, maybe it's grown too big for its pot. Maybe it's too big for the space it needs to be in. Or maybe there's a space that just looks dark and dingy. And I want to move some brightness, some flowers, some vibrancy into that area. I want to declare uh, that. And God does that with us as well. He moves people into dark areas sometimes and say, look, I want to put you in this difficult housing estate. I want to put you in this difficult Middle Eastern country because I want you to be a light for me, for my glory there. What else Um, about a father? Well, let's be surprised by his love. I originally wrote this, I said, don't be surprised by his love, but actually I want to be surprised by his love. Don't, but let's not, this is going to sound strange, let's not, how I put it, Let's not not be surprised, if that makes sense. We, we, we need to expect to be surprised by his love because actually it's the best love there is. He wants the best of his children. The best fathers show unconditional love. Regardless of what your children do, we show unconditional love. Actually, I try to, but I mess up. But God is the perfect father. He will always show unconditional love. He's shown it to us already. He's given his son. He sent Jesus to the cross to die for each one of us. He sent his own son. Not an adopted son or an adopted daughter, but he sent his own son so that we might be adopted, so that we might be welcomed into his presence. That's how much he loves us. So let's not, let's not be unsurprised. Let's be surprised again, week by week, by his love. Let's not take it for granted or be complacent about it, but let's be eternally thankful for it. And this really is, is part of what being a radical family is. We've got a radical family, a radical group of people with a radical father who loves his children regardless, who's given his own son up for them. We need to keep focused on him and keep a heavenly perspective. So in heaven, as we were saying earlier, it's about perspective. It's about choosing to see things uh, from God's perspective, not our own. So when we look from a heavenly perspective, we see things from, from his position, from his position of power, of strength, of might. We see his love, his grace, his forgiveness. We see all the challenges uh, from a different perspective. We see them maybe as opportunities. We see them as change, as, as exciting. Yeah, uncomfortable, yes but exciting, and we understand why, what's going on, and we know we're not in our own. I, I was thinking of some, um, just some examples of some of the times when uh, 
changing perspective makes a difference. We've, in, in terms of, we've seen a lot of prayers answered at BFC over the years. Um, one thing we always do and we love to do is to pray for the sick. Uh, and we've done it many times in the past. We're doing it at the moment. And we will keep doing it in the future because we serve a God who heals. We've seen it time and time again. Little things with people with colds and coughs, large things. Actually, I am convinced that our daughter Hannah would not be alive if it weren't for God. She was dead in a hospital in London. And the church prayed and prayed and prayed. And she's alive. You can't deny that seeing her today. There is nothing wrong with her other than wearing hearing aids. There's no long-term issues. The doctors cannot understand why she is alive and why she has no long-term problems, why she has no brain damage, why she has no disabilities. We had her school report, and we don't understand how come she's as smart as she is. But we look at her and we say, thank you, God. And we've seen it in the past. We're praying for Sam at the moment to be healed of cancer. We prayed in the past and he was healed. And let's keep praying. I'm confident God can heal. But we need to, to get behind that and pray. I want to continue to be amazed by his healing. I, I want to continue to be surprised by it. Not, not that I, I shouldn't be surprised, really, because I should expect it, and I do expect it. But I want it to be, bring such joy and such blessing when we do see it, because I know we're going to see it again and again and again, and I want to keep praying for that. Uh, we've seen prayers answered as well um, through changing circumstances. So as a church, we have seen so many prayers answered. Many of you here... You might not know it, but you're the, you're, you're the answer to prayer. We have prayed time and time again for God to move people into this village who are Christians already and for them to join this church. And we've prayed time and time again as well for God to bring us new converts. And we've seen his grace and his mercy and his blessing as he's done that. And we're going to keep doing that. But as I look around here, I can see face after face that we've prayed for. We didn't know who we were praying for at the time. But God has given us people. He's given us a wonderful family here. And uh, we'll keep doing that. I want to pray for both more Christians to come and join this church. But I want to pray as well for more new believers, for more converts. And heavenly perspective. Ben mentioned it a week ago. I'd had the same thought as him. Actually, all these posters started appearing around Billingshurst a couple of years ago. Save Billingshurst! I'm thinking, Yes! Save Billingshurst. I almost registered the, the, a very similar website and pointed, them, pointed it to BFC's website instead. Um, but that was my... Well, I saw it and I thought, no. Well, I, I don't want to see the village become a huge sprawl, but actually, let's save Billingshurst for God. And if God... If, we, if another 500 or 1,000 houses get built, fantastic. That is going to bring... That will bring more Christians into the village who can come and get stuck in and serve here. But it will bring an awful lot more non-Christians who we can talk to, who we can befriend, who we can see come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Actually, in, Jesus talked in the past, and in the Bible talks about actually sending, sending people out to the nations. Actually, this is an opportunity where 500 houses, somewhere between 1,000 and 2,000 people, brought to us. When that happens, let's not ignore that. Let's... Uh, so we don't have reservations about fields being built, and I hate to see God's wonderful creation just sprawl over with concrete. But actually, God's heart is for people. Um, and that's about how we look at our perspective, how we look at things from a heavenly perspective. 
He has all power, all might, all authority. Uh, and when I look at back at his provision and hand on my life, on our lives in the past, it gives me great confidence for the future. Helps me see things from his perspective. When I look back on the hard times in my life, I say, actually, God's hand was on that. It didn't necessarily feel like it at the time, but God's hand was on it. I know his intimate care, his attention to the smallest detail. And we, it's that and that, as I look back, is a reminder to keep my eyes focused on him and looking at him and from his perspective as we go forwards. Nearly there. Um, so hallowed be your name. As we said before, it's more than just honoring God's name. It's about saying, whatever I do today, be it in word, in thought, in deed, in action, it's about saying, may that be for your glory, God. May it be something that glorifies and honors you. People should look at our lives, excuse me, should be able to look at our lives and see something different about us. They should catch a glimpse of God when they see the way we conduct ourselves, when we see the way we talk. It should be noticeable. It should cause them to want to know God. More and more in society today, it's all about me. It's all about, I want this, I want that. Uh, it's all about my skills, my rights, my abilities, my world. I want it, I want that, so I'm just going to take it. Actually, it's about what I can take from the world, not benefit, rather than what I can do to benefit others. The kingdom of God, and praying, hallowed be your name, flips that on its head. It bucks that trend completely, and it says, actually... It's not about me. It's about God. And it's about using my gifts, my skills, my abilities to, to glorify him. It's about shining out as a beacon for him. Declaring his truth and showing it to the world. I mean, how many of us here um, watched the Olympics opening ceremony on Friday night? Most. How many of us stayed awake the whole way through? Not bad. Dave didn't, though. He fell asleep, apparently. <laughs> Um, how many of us gazed in wonder as they lit that cauldron at the end? How many of us was that? Almost a sort of a spiritual type of moment in terms of actually, wow. There was something about it. That Olympic flame and that cauldron declare to the world the games are happening, that they've started, that they're in progress. Come and see what the spectacle of these games is. We're called to do the same with our lives. That cauldron was made up of 200 plus little small flames, but when they were put together, which were fairly bright, but you probably couldn't really see them very well across that stadium, but when they were put together, when they were united, when they were a family, how bright was that flame? It burned hotter, it burned brighter, it could be seen from further and greater distance, it had more impact on what was around it. We're called to do the same with our lives as we live for him. Jesus, just a little bit earlier in the Sermon on the Mount, just the previous chapter, says, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people uh, light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. That's what this is about. This is what hallowed be your name it's about, it's about saying, God, you be glorified in my life, in what I do, in what I say, in how I act, in my thoughts, in my deeds, in my words. 
And as we do that, people seeing that in us, seeing something different and catching a glimpse of the, glorify, uh, of the glory of God. So, I'll read my notes. So that really is, is pretty much all I had to say. Let me just sum some of it up. Um, so yeah, we've looked at those six words, our Father in heaven. Sorry, those eight words. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. We're called through those to be a, a radical family with a heavenly perspective, living every step of the day to bring glory to, and honor to God. It's about who he who he is and who we are in him. We need to remember we're a family. We're in this together. We're not on this on our own. He is our, our Father in heaven. Let's keep that heavenly perspective on our lives. Let's keep that heavenly perspective on what's going on around us. And in the midst of all of it, let's remember it's all about him. It's not about me. It's not about us. It's about him. It's about God. It's about honouring him in all we do uh, day by day, be it in thought, word or deed, and seeking to make him number one in our lives and not ourselves. So uh, let's pray. What we're going to do is uh, I'm just going to pray and I'm going to ask the band to come up. We're going to sing um, a song. We're going to sing to God be the glory again. And then after that, I actually thought it would be good for us to say the Lord's Prayer together. Um, but as we do that in a little while, let's think about the words. Let's, we'll take it slowly. We'll put the words on the screen. And we'll take it slowly. Let's think about those words. Let's think about their impact. Uh, but let me pray first of all. <sighs> yeah, Father God, I want to thank you um, for your son Jesus who you sent to this world. I want to thank you for that price he paid for us on that cross. I want to thank you for your grace, your love, and your mercy. Lord, I thank you that you did it so that you might adopt us as your sons and daughters with you as our heavenly father. Lord, I thank you that you are our father. We're in this together as a, as a group of people, as your family. Lord, help us to, uh, to live in the light of that. Help us to live in the light of the sacrifice you paid. Help us to live, I pray, each day, day by day, honouring and glorifying your name, doing everything we can to the best of our ability to honour and glorify you. May you be our focus. May you be our goal. May you be what we run after and what we seek for, I pray. Amen.